as you've opened up there to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read Ephesians. There's a reason why I'm saying Acts for the last few weeks in the classroom. We've been on Acts, but whatever. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, you know, last Sunday, Pastor Leo came and preached, and the Sunday before that, I shared a message because God loves us. When I came down uh, from the podium up here, someone pulled me aside and said, you know what's crazy? Why does God love me? That's an awesome question. Why would God love me, and why does God love me? Isn't that a great question? And as I was thinking about that question throughout the weeks and thinking about her as she asked me that question, there, there, are, there are many things that came to mind, but I really want to focus on three things that we're going to look into together. And I want to read a passage in Ephesians. And, and throughout today's message, we're going to go ahead and we're going to revisit Ephesians 2. And I'm just going to give you a lot of scripture and I'm going to throw a lot of texts out there. But I'm always going to go back to Ephesians 2. You'll see that when we end the message, I'm going to end reading the whole passage that I'm going to read in the beginning of the message. And Ephesians is, is interesting. As Paul is writing it to the church of Ephesus, what he's doing is he's, he's writing Ephesians to display, to display the scope of God's eternal plan for humanity. And that's what he's doing as he's writing Ephesians. You, you read the book of Ephesians and you recognize that it's the mysteries of God that are hidden for all ages, but today they are being made known through Jesus Christ. I love that when I find out secrets. Anyone here just chimoso like that? Come on, you can lie all you want. We love it. We love it. Why do you think like entertainment news and all that does so good? Because we all want to know what's happening with the celebrities. Who's dating who? Who, you know, let's keep going into the test. That's where you get in trouble. But I love when secrets, when, when hidden things are revealed and especially made known in Jesus Christ. And I love how, how Paul is highlighting in this letter to the church of Ephesus, especially in chapter 2, verse 8. I love that he, he goes ahead and he says that dead sinners are made alive and they gain eternal salvation by grace through faith. How many of you could say amen? And this is what I want us to see. Yes, God loves us and I want us to see that Jesus Christ reconciles us and has reconciled us, many of us in here. And as he reconciles us, what does he want us to do? What does he want from that? He wants us to be united with God in him, in Christ, in the Son, to be united with the Father. And that's why I love the book of Ephesians. I want to read with you Ephesians chapter 2 to get into the message. There's a lot of scripture that I'm going to go to. And I want to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Just flow with me um, today, right now, especially a lot today. Uh, I'm going to just fall on the NLT, so, so just, just roll with me, whatever translation you have. But let's, let's kind of read this here together. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. You still have a chance to bring it back, your Bible, next week, so it's okay. But here we go. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Huh? You used to live in sin, just like the rest of this world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Sounds like me. It was me. That was me. How many of you can say that was? That was it. That was me. All of us. 
Oh, Paul's kind of like, but just in case you don't want to say it was me, I'm going to tell you it was you. Paul's awesome. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4 says, But God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. That's a good spot for an amen. Man, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. That's for sure. I mean, we don't have to hide that, do we? For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he has seated us with him in heavenly Man, how many of you are seated with Christ in heavenly realms? Not, not you're going to be seated with him. I'm talking about you're seated with him right now. Shotgun. I, I'm not trying to. I'm with Christ in this thing. I'm looking at this from a perspective that I used to look at it from an earthly perspective. I used to be down under. But now Christ has risen me up that where I sit at, I look at problems and I look at things and I see them from a perspective I've never seen them. Why is that? Because I sit with Jesus in high places. Man, that's good. That's good. And we see that here. And then he's put us in high places with him. I'm going to make sure that you understand it's with Christ. You don't know the things that I've heard in years of ministry, how people think they get to high places. But that's a whole other sect of ideas. Man. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of this incredible wealth of his grace. Thank you, Lord, for you. this incredible wealth of your grace. And kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that we can do the good things that he's planned for us long ago. Amen to the reading of God's word. I, I read this passage and the three things that I really want to focus, three specific things as this young lady was like, hey, hey, why would and why does God love me? And I said this, well, first off, you are his creation. You can write that down. You are his creation. But in the midst of God still loving you, we are his creation. But I also want you to know this. We have all turned at some point. We've all been turned at some point. We've all been crooked. And maybe some of us in here today are turned or are in a crooked place. And you can relate to this. And the third thing that I really want to jump into today, which is where I'm going to spend a lot of time, is, is that he speaks love in our crooked path. His love is, is spoken into our crookedness, into our turned, turned. I'm going to use that word today, turned. I'm going to dare to use it. For a whole other meaning than what rappers use it for. All right, here we go. Actually, they might use it for the same meaning. <laughs> here we go. Number one, we see that we are his creation. How many of you could say, I am God's creation? And we are. I am God's creation. 
Um, yes, he used mom and dad to work things out. But at the end of it, he fearfully and he wonderfully made me in my mother's womb. That's for sure. My father and my mother had no idea where to put my, 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 all my insides. And they didn't know where to put um, all my, just think about everything that's inside our human body. Our nerves and the nerve endings and all the cells. And, and they didn't have no, no say into what color eyes. I, would, I mean, blue would have been cool. But they had no say into what color eyes. And they had no say into what color hair. It would have been cool to have a little bit of that blonde streak in me. But, but they had no, God decided what I was, who I was going to be. I am his creation, and I get that. And I ask this question, well, why does he love me? Why does God love me? And I understand that I am his creation. But, you know, when we use this phrase, we are his creation, this gets very interesting. Just because we are God's creations, it does not mean that we are automatically his sons. It does not mean automatically that we are his daughters in the faith. We are just his creations. And by no means am I saying that all of God's human creatures are sons. Why, do, why, why would you say that? Well, I'm going to go back to Ephesians chapter 2. Because I was once an enemy of God. And Paul writes in Ephesians 2 that by nature I was a child of wrath like the rest of mankind. How many of you could say, yes, I was a child of wrath at one time in my life? I was. Tr listen, trust me. I was good at being a child. How many of you were really good at being a child of wrath? <laughs> we were there. And that's why I shared two weeks ago that message of he loves us. So he sent his son to die for us, to save us, to redeem us. Ephesians 1.4 says this. Even before, man, I'm pumped to share the word today. All right. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. We are his creation. We are his creation. In Thanksgiving, if you remember, I don't know if you guys remember that far back. Pastor Leo was here last Sunday. He's like, I don't even remember what I'm preaching to you right now. I'm like, what? He suffers from what I suffer with. So I remember that I did preach on Psalm 100 in Thanksgiving, though. And I shared this verse with you. It says this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Look at verse 3. Knowing that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. For we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then he says, enter his gate. Man, Wednesday, Wednesday people, Wednesday, Wednesday midweek service. Seriously, seriously. I mean, I feel so bad if you did not come on Wednesday. I still love you and all that, but man, you don't know what happened here on Wednesday. My Wednesday people, did we not enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise? God was here. So, something crazy happened on Wednesday, but whatever. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. You know that we are his creation. In Isaiah 43, God is really speaking to Israel in this passage. And he's even reminding Israel that he's their, their redeemer. Look what he says even to Israel. In Isaiah 43 and verse 21, he says, This people I have formed for myself, and they shall declare my praise. You see how God is just creating? See how God has created us? And that question of why does God love me? Why would he love me? 
When, you know, when I ask or when I hear that question, it should leave us in awe. Awestruck. Why me? Why does he love me? My only answer to her was, I know, isn't that crazy? That he would, that he does love us. Because, man, that's, that's, that's big that God still loves us. He's so big and we're so small. Louis Giglio does a great job and indescribable to show us that he's small in his videos. And we're so small. And he loves us so, so much that he doesn't want to leave us this way. Isn't that amazing? That I love my child so much so when he does wrong, my love for him disciplines him. Why do you discipline me, Father? Because I don't want you to continue in that pattern. That's good. So he loves us so that he doesn't want to leave us like this. But he wants to change us. Everyone say transform. That's a key word. Yeah, it's in the scripture. He wants to transform us. Does anyone know, and this is a pop quiz for today, 100, a free 100. Does anyone know what scripture teaches that he wants to transform us to? What does he want to transform us into? Man, Amando, mm, he said it. Into the image of Jesus Christ. Into Christ's image. He wants to transform us and, and praise God that he loves us. And he makes us new. And yes, we are his creation. And in that truth, in that truth that we are his creation, there is still a newness that he does in our lives. We'll end with that. Let me not even get into that right now. But as creation of God, we've turned. And I'm going to be honest with you. Here's my thoughts. Here's my craziness as I get ready to preach to you today. Ready? I don't know what it is to be in a garden. Actually, I'm going to relate to Adam and Eve, but seriously, I really don't know what it means to even be in a garden today. I'm bad at that. What's that called? I don't have green thumb. Uh, Tito has a green thumb. Right? You built something for your garden. I don't have a green thumb. Ask my wife, I can't nail a nail into a washer's and trust me. Can I put the frame up? Nope. Call my grandfather. I'm like, I could do this. I don't think you can, Regal. I don't know what it is to be in a garden, everything given to me. Think about that. Even a woman made from my very own rib. I don't know what that's like. That all I know, that all I know comes from my morning walks and conversations with Abba. Let, just let that sink. I don't know what that's like to, to hear. Like, I know I walk with God. I know I hear from God. But I'm not going to try to act like I've never really heard God's footsteps. Like, I haven't. Like, I, don't, I don't know what it is to come from nothing. No parents, no siblings. Just God forming me from the dust of the ground. And with his very own breath, he gives me life. Like, I know his breath gave me life, but I know I was also, part of my creation was he used my mother and my father. You guys get what I'm trying to say? I don't know what it is to, to say, hey, who's your mom? The ground, God's finger, breath, the, you know. It's just God made me out of from nothing. I don't know what it is to have every beast on earth to line up in front of me and one by one call each one its name and say, from now on, whatever name I give you, that's your name. I don't know what that's like. I know what it is to give birth of a child and say that, that will be that child's name. In Jesus' name, that's Jackson Legend Figueredo, but I don't know what it is to say in you or your long neck, you're a giraffe. I don't, I don't, I've never done that. I don't know what that's like. 
I don't know what it is to never work for a living and all the food that I can get comes from the land. I don't know that. I actually work to go to Publix. There's a nice new Publix right in front of my house. It's two stories. It's beautiful if you ever want to come see it. But I have to go there, and every time I go, I spend like $200, and it burns my heart. My gosh, it rips me. $200 for three people in a house. Well, you know what? how often I go to Publix now. I don't know what it is to have all of this and yet turn from God. I don't know about that. I don't know. And I might not be able to fully relate to Adam, that's for sure. But I will tell you this. I know that I could relate some to him. I know what it is to experience his goodness, to receive his love, to be taken in by his grace, and yet walk up to a tree and eat from a fruit called forbidden. I know what that's like. I've been there. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I ask you to raise your hand, I'm sure most of you would raise your hand. Most of you have known the goodness of God. Most of you have felt the goodness of God. Most of you have experienced some sort of love or some sort of grace from God, and you've still somewhere in your life have decided to walk up a tree and eat from a fruit called forbidden. I know that very well in my life. I'm I'm actually still uh, giving that to the Lord. I know what it is to have been blessed by so much from God and yet live out in disobedience. You know, I say this a lot to people. Listen, if it wasn't Adam in the garden to mess up things, I'm going to tell you very honestly, you could have waited for me to get to that garden. I would have just messed it up. If it wasn't Adam and over the generations, Rigo would have ended up in that garden and I probably would have messed it up. So I would have been in the books as the first Adam. (laughs) Just waited for me and I would have messed it up. And most likely I would have been the one to mess it up for all of you, for all of mankind. So I don't necessarily always just put the blame on Adam because the second point of today is I've come to the realization in my walk with Christ that I was at a point in my life where I knew that God was calling me, but yet I was turned. I decided to live out in disobedience and rebellion, and I could and we could blame Adam as much as we want, but the truth is we're doing the same thing that they did in the garden. Adam, what's up? It was the woman you gave me. Woman, what's up, Eve? It was the snake you gave us. And everyone is playing the bidding game. And I'm not going to stand before you as a minister of God's word and for once try to blame someone else or something else or even God. I'm going to tell you that the first person to blame because of my sin was me, myself, and I. I was turned I was broken. I was shattered. How many of you could relate to this and say, yes, I was walking down a path called crooked. And here we are today. And it wasn't necessarily Adam. Yes, it was. Biblically, we'll get into that. But we got to put the blame also on ourselves because I'm fine with saying this. It was me. It was my fault. And I understand what it means when the psalmist says in Psalm 51 verse 5, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment that my mother conceived me. I understand that. And yes, this is sinful man. And yes, it comes from Adam and from Adam's works there in uh, the garden. And it would have been me if it wasn't Adam. But that doesn't go on in my life. I don't go on blaming Adam because I don't ever for once want any of you to stand before God. And God says, how come you never saw my salvation, my goodness, my grace? How come you've never repented of your sin? And I would hate for one of you to stand before God's presence. It was Adam's fault. You can't blame Adam on the throne room. You can't blame Adam when you stand before God. 
There's going to be a point when every man, every nation, every person that has ever lived, kings, your common folk, and those that were on television with red carpets that they walked before will all stand before the almighty God. And all men will give an account for their very own lives. And the blame, the mirror, it needs to point to them. And they got to come to the realization that, yes, God is good, but man, was I bad. And that's where all man was. That's where all man is. We are we are in a good place because we are being made perfected in Christ. What does that mean? Mature in Christ. We're growing in it. We have something that the lost doesn't. So I understand this. I found myself here knowing that I was born a sinner. I was born a sinner. And that eventually through his grace, that led me to see that I was in desperate need of an antidote. I was in desperate need of a savior. And I have found myself knowing certain things in God and yet being disobedient in them. And all I could do is blame myself. And I've been there. And I'm sure we have all been there where we've turned what was supposed to be straight has been made crooked. Huh? Huh? Let's go back to Ephesians. That's our text for today. Ephesians 2 Verse 1 says, once you were dead, everyone say was dead. Hopefully, if you're still dead, this is, a, this is a great service to be made alive. Amen? Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. It was many. And I clearly remember this. I was living. I looked alive. How many of you remember these days? Maybe some of you are still in it. But you, you looked alive, but in reality, your soul was so dead. Your heart was so dead. The insides were, oh, come on. You were in pain in the inside. Man, I fed on dead things. The music I listened to was dead. You should see some of the music I listened to. I used to listen to music that the artists used to talk about that when they die, they were going to go to hell. And I used to rap that song, sing that song. Sorry, not a rapper. I used to just sing that song. When I die, I'm going to go to hell. Like, that's death. I was proclaiming, I was just claiming death in my life. Crazy. The songs that I had memorized in my brain. I know what it is. I, the music I listened to was dead. My thoughts were thoughts of death. I would wake up and I would think about dead thoughts. How can I sin today? Who will I sin with today? In which way will I sin today? Death was my thoughts. My actions were death. My friends, you should see the friends I was involved with. I mean, they were dead. We were all doing dead things together. We thought we were alive. We thought it was impactful. We thought it was awesome. We thought we were powerful. We thought we were popular. We all thought it was great and cool and everyone is doing this stuff. But then I came to Christ and I recognized, recognized that I was actually dead and now I'm actually made alive. Everything about me was dead. I was living in disobedience and what he calls in Ephesians in all of my sins, in many sins, forgive me. Verse 2 says this, Ephesians 2, same chapter, next verse. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of this world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. And he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. I read these I read this passage, I read these verses, I read chapter 2, and I recognize that I wasn't always alive, and we were not always alive. We weren't always in the faith. We were like the rest of this world, huh? Obeying its rulers, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Yes, we were. You could fight it all you want, but you were. He was, he was holding on to you with the leash, man. We were there. We were all there. and We were good at being there without even knowing it, some of us. Some of us knew it. 
But some of us, we didn't know it. I thought I was good the whole time. And then you came to Christ like, oh, no, I never was good. Like, yes, because the only one that is good is Jesus. And then you get rocked with that truth that your goodness doesn't get you to heaven. It's his goodness. So what do you need to pray about? I need more, 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 more of your goodness in me. Come on, man. So I recognize that. Some of us didn't know it. Some of us knew it very well. And we used to live that way. What Paul says, ready? Following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. Isn't that powerful? Those were crooked days, huh? For some of us, this might be a good time. Like I said, we get to examine ourselves. And you could say this, man, this sounds a lot like me. I'm on a crooked path. I've turned away from Abba. And I am in need of this antidote. antidote. Like you said, I am in need of a Savior. And all I could say is, my goodness, I think of a prodigal son in chapter 15 of the book of Luke, verse 24. And Luke 15, 24, when the prodigal son comes back from sinful living and he comes back to the father's house. Oh, man, the father meets him there and he says, for this is my son. He was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So let the party begin. Man. And that's what he's done to many people in this room. That's what he's done to many of us in this room. How many of you thought, man, when I was going to go back home to dad and I was going to run to Abba to come back, I'm here. You thought you were going to get the biggest butt whooping you were ever going to receive. But instead of the biggest butt whooping, he gave you the greatest love he could ever give you. He gave you some great grace. He gave you a hug. He gave you a ring. He gave you a sandal. He gave you a robe. And he said, son, welcome home again. That's amazing. That's amazing that God loves us that way. And that's what he's done for many of us. We were dead, but we returned to life. We were lost, but now we're found. We were crooked, but God made it straight through Jesus Christ, his son. The cross made the road straight again. And he can make it straight in your life today. I know there's someone in here today that's on a crooked path, and God is speaking deep to your soul. And he says, come on, come on, try me in this. I'm going to make your path straight again. I know it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. I'm going to stay on that book. Another verse. Ephesians 5, 14. Look what he says. He says, for the light makes everything visible. I love that because light reveals sin. And then he says, awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. Man, praise God. Was this not us? Sleepers dead. But his light made us visible made it all visible. Our sin came out in the light. Christ raised us up. Christ gave us light, and he continues to do so today. Anyone in the dark, he still gives light today. And I read all this stuff, and I recognize the problem was me. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. The problem was never God. I blame myself for being bad. God didn't make me bad. I rebelled. I was disobedient. But the third point today is this. I ran into something, something so beautiful, something so powerful. And that's that his love speaks into my crooked path. Man, how many of you has the love of Christ spoken into your crooked path? Can you give God some praise if that's you today? Come on. You should give God a greater praise than that. 
I'm just going to read. Now, just flow with me. I'm going to read scripture to you. And then after I read all the scriptures, then we'll, we'll end. Let me just read scripture. Hebrews 13, 21. And I'm going to go back to Ephesians, our text. Hebrews 13, 21 says, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. I mean, if you want to just say amen, if you want to clap, if you want to stand and wave. Listen, if you get moved by reading the scriptures, feel free to give a shout, give an amen, give a clap. I don't know, just behave, you know. But here we go. It says, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Yep, I see this. He loves me. He's speaking to my crooked path. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, if you're taking notes, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. He's making it. He's making it right. He's clearing my path. He's making it straight. And he's finishing a work that he has started in us. Amen? It says here in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20, and 21, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, it says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's in the works. Titus chapter 2, verse 14, it says, He gave his life. To free us from every kind of sin. I love that. Since when does the church bubble certain sins and says, that sin will never be forgiven. And who made us God? That sin will, you need to take five more classes and you need to go through a deliverance service. Whoa, who said that your deliverance prayer has more power than the deliverance on the cross? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh my God, it's, it's, it's Jesus does the work. Jesus does the finality. Jesus makes it powerful. Jesus is the liberator of all souls that are dead. Man, I feel it. He gave us life to free us from what? From what? Okay, it's up there. Chishi, from what? From every kind of sin. Name some sins if you want, just to get it out there. You don't have to do that. But if you want to feel better, you can do it. Name them. He forgives you. Man, I've been in that room with, with, with couples in adultery. He forgives that. I've been in that room with people that struggle with sexuality. He forgives that. I've been in that room and I've struggled with people with drug addictions and alcohol addictions. He forgives that. I'm telling you, he forgives you of your every sin. Man, all sins to cleanse us and make us his very own people. Totally committed now to doing good deeds. How many of you Christ has forgiven you for all kinds of sins? And today what are you doing? I'm totally committed to every good deed. What do you mean now? I'm raising my son in a godly home. I'm trying to lead my wife into a godly path as her husband. I'm trying to lead a church into... What does that sound like? That's Christ's power overwhelming someone who was in sin, all kinds of sin, and now we're committed to do every good work for him. Right. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, When we were utterly helpless, huh? Utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time. How many of you, Christ came at the right time? For some of you right now, uh, right now is your right time. Yeah. And it says, and it says, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. And most people would not be willing to die even for an upright person. You're right. You're so right. 
Most people would not do that. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. He says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It's because God loves you. Why does God love me? Why me? Why would he love me? Because he loves you. However you want to answer that. He loves you. He loves you. And he sent Christ to die while you were still a sinner. And then Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go back there again. And we're going to read the second part of that passage again. Verses 4 through 10. Just flow with me. I like to read it. Repetition brings memory. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much. How many of you can say amen? That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Because now we are united with Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us, all that he has done for us, all that he has done for us. Get that in your head. Who are united with Christ. God saved you by what? Not your grace. Oh, but he's so gracious. Of course God loves him. What? He's not so gracious and of course. It doesn't work that way. It's God loves them because he's so gracious. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Look at verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about this. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's workmanship. He created us. He is, he is it. We are his creation. But watch what else he's done. He's created us anew. What does that mean? Not just you created in sin, guys. Not just you, you were born in sin. Rewind on that. But that you are now in your creation. You've been made anew in Christ. So we can do the good things that now he's planned for us long ago. Thank you, Jesus, for this letter. His love, his peace. Pastor Leo did a great job. He, taught, he spoke on peace. And yes, he highlighted that peace was found there on the cross. And and that peace, and, and here is this grace, it aligns us. And I love that grace, it doesn't mean this right here. And I heard a, a preacher say this one time. And it doesn't mean that God's grace, he just puts up his hands and he says, oh, you messed up. You messed up, so here's some grace. Here's grace. You messed up. Oh, my goodness. You messed up again. Here's more grace. I don't think that's at all what Scripture is teaching us. His grace, his love that we're talking about today doesn't just ignore our sin. Come here, guys. Just flow with me for a second. His grace, his love doesn't just be like, oh, you messed up. Oh, you, you've done it again. Oh, this is not working out. Here's more grace. But this grace and this love, it just doesn't ignore. It doesn't just pass our sin. I believe this with, a shot, with, no, with no doubt at all. Here it is. Ready? His grace and his love. In fact, it stands. It stands. It stands in front of all sin. And it confronts all sin. His love confronts your sin. You know what I thought about when I said that? I thought about the cross. And I said, if that's not God confronting your sin, then what the heck is the cross? 
That's not just, oh, you sinned, here's some grace, don't sin again. No, you sinned, look at the cross again, because there's a Savior hanging on it. His name is Jesus. I just didn't pass your sin. I just didn't pass your crooked paths. I put my son on the cross, and I confronted your sin. I faced your sin. I faced your crooked, weary ways, and I'm showing you that I am good. That's what the cross does. That's what Jesus is. Jesus on the cross. Not for once, church. He wasn't ignoring it. Oh, you struggle with what? I, here's some grace. Oh, you, you sinned in what area? Here's some love. No, it's more powerful than that. It took a man to be beaten with a cat of nine tails 39 times on his back. That his back was ripped open. That his insides were showing. It took a man with, with thorns rammed in through his skull that he couldn't even probably talk because of the migraine he had, the blood dripping in his eyes. Then it took a man that was losing so much blood to carry a wooden cross. And then he says, walk to Calvary. And he would fall because he wasn't dying at Calvary. He was already dying on the way to Calvary. And they would kick him and they would punch him and they would mock him. Come on, Jesus. If you are the prophet of God, tell us who punches you now. Tell us who kicks you now. Listen to me. And then they get to the cross and the robe that they put on him that was soaked up into his skin. They ripped it off to reopen the cuts. They opened it up to reopen all his insides. And he yells on Calvary. And the blood is dripping. And they put him on a cross. And on his wrist they put one nail. And on the other wrist another nail. And on his ankles another nail. And you're going to come to me today. And you're going to tell me that his grace, that his love is cheap. It was expensive. It put Jesus on the cross. Don't ever say it's cheap. Don't ever say it didn't cost anything. It put Jesus on the cross. They spit on him and they ripped his beard and he didn't do anything come and rip my beard something might happen to you hopefully one of you will protect me but Jesus stood there Jesus took it Jesus did it because I must pay the price I must do it for them so Betsy asked me last Sunday right here I wish she was here today. She's in the back with the kids. Why does God love me? Why would he love me? I don't know, Betsy. But come on, let's go look at the cross. Because it doesn't matter. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And don't ever think for once it was cheap. Don't ever think for once that that blood was just a mistake. Oh, it felt good every drip. You tell me if it feels good. If I grab... A whip with nails and bones and I rip chunks of your flesh and I put nails through your skin and I mock you and I punch you you are the one that created the whole universe but yet everyone that thinks they know everything of the universe is putting you out as a mockery you tell me if you like that for once I'm telling you today I don't understand God's love for you so when you ask me why me all I could say is because because he loves you. That's why. He loves you. 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 
He loves you. Get that through your head. He loves you. My wife needed to know I loved her. So I gave her a ring and we planned the wedding. Christ says, I want you to know that I love you. I give you a cross and I lay down my life. I mean, I'll, I'll lay down my life for her. But Christ didn't have to walk one day in a relationship with me to decide whether he'll lay down his life before I ever took one step of obedience. You gonna tell me that that's some cheap love? Man, do you feel that? Speak to us, Lord. His love confronts our sin. The Father, through Christ the Son, demonstrates such deep love that He attacks our crookedness, our sin. He dealt with it. And maybe you're here today, and I tell you today, He will deal with it. Come, look at the cross. He will deal with your crooked way. So has that made you run to him? Has that made you find him today? Come on, don't come up here and say, well, I'm working on me. What does that even mean you're working on you? You know why you haven't gotten there? Stop working on you and let Christ finally work in you. Come on, man. He's still doing this. Oh, God knows I love him. We can say as much as we want to say. But I can assure you, if he's confronted your crookedness, if his great love has transformed you, he's caused you today to go deeper in him. Amen? If you know this Christ I'm talking about today, some of you are dying for us to worship already. Like, Shut up. Shut up. Start worshiping already. Start, start, start. I need to cry to God already. the old hymn I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me Philip Yancey says this one who has been touched by grace will no longer look on those who stray as all oh, those evil people all those poor people who need our help. Nor must we search for signs of love worthiness. Grace teaches us that God loves us because of who God is, not because of who we are. Guys, he's made us anew. I'm ending. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person and the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Paul writes in Galatians to the church in his final advice to them. To the church of Galatia, he says in chapter 6 verse 15, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Paul says to the church of Colossae, 
in Colossians 3 verses 10 and 11 he says put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him in this new life it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or if you are a Gentile whether you're circumcised or whether you are uncircumcised whether you're barbaric or whether you are uncivilized whether you are slave or whether you are free Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us come on stand up let's praise the Lord let's praise him together he deserves it he is worthy yes Lord yes Lord I end with this the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good C.S. Lewis says but God will make us good because he loves us praise him praise him Come on, crooked paths be made straight right now. Come on, let's pray for you today. You're going to be made straight today.